Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. I'm Carrie Thomas. And I'm Allison Lures. <gasps> welcome, Allison, to our show. Finally. Sorry, I made th- that like audibly, that was like me creeping around a corner. Like, really <laughs> no, exactly. Oh. Perfect vibe. I can see it. Um, this is yeah no that's that's got the new Capenna vibe of like an investigative reporter or perhaps a reporter or or a spy or an assassin so many good vibes so many oh. good creepy urban vibes you could you could be even an urban legend uh, thank you, you i was mostly just thinking i was the weird bystander who happened to be <laughs> nearby and go i'm getting on this podcast now <laughs> Look, this show was started by three people who were like, hey, what if we were just weird bystanders here the show <laughs> and recorded our conversations? So, uh, well, you know, it's, welcome it's an, to the club. <laughs> it's an honor to be a weird bystander. Thank you. I was literally uh, just a listener for years, and then somehow I creeped my way on here. So don't worry. <laughs> we're all bystanders here. Well, I guess I guess we got, we got some things to talk about. Uh, we got exciting surprise things that happened last week in the uh new pride secret lair pride across the multiverse uh featuring is it like eight cards no it would be nice if i had the actual product page up while i talked (laughs) about it that would be that would have been a useful thing to do before this started that's more exciting Uh, if you just make them up as you go (laughs) (laughs) just what just make up magic cards who would ever do that how many number how many are uh, in there yeah who would make that up i don't know i mean we don't even really know how many are in there because sometimes they're just shoving random cards in there too so could be eight could be seven could be 12 who knows uh, i believe i believe it's eight. anyway it's uh, a fancy secret lair with proceeds going to the trevor project helping out uh queer youth folks uh and it's all cards featuring uh either queer iconography or queer magic the gathering characters like my dear beloved child nico aris or uh a, an uh older older trans elder uh alesha helping up a trans mask Kolagon warrior or uh perhaps even uh the loving embrace of uh two sapphics who are now officially canon dating and that would be sahili and Watley. And uh, we are here with uh, Allison, because Allison, you got to write a story for this. I did. I got to write a story about Watley and Sahili smooching and having a real uh-huh. cute, real cute two-person love triangle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Um, so uh, I guess before we dig into that, uh, talk about what you have done professionally with Magic the Gathering, because this, uh, this ain't your first rodeo writing narrative. Oh, no. Uh, this is technically my 25th rodeo. I have, I have done 25 rodeos. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my I, I've been at Wizards now for eight and a half years. Um, I, I know, right? I started off uh, on the community management team. Um, so I was like in the guts of Twitter um, getting yelled at all day. Uh, that was my job once upon a time. I moved on to the uh, magic creative team uh, to initially like create and generate magic story internally and also work on uh, flavor text and card titles. Um, and so through a series of events, um, other members of the team uh, who are working on magic story at the time departed. Uh, so Chris Latois left Wizards. Amonkhet uh, was me and Icha working together 
and Ixalan was all me um, in terms of magic story. Uh, so in addition to my day job of writing flavor text and art descriptions, I was also writing the story. Uh, Greg Lubin was my editor at the time, so it was really like me and him teaming up to generate like 70,000 words of Ixalan over one summer. <laughs> it, was, it was really intense. Um, and so, yeah, during my time with Magic Story, I wrote um, 24 stories uh, and then had to move on to another team. Um, and so I was brought back to do this one specially. Yeah. Uh, what is that other team, by the way? Talk about the cool things you've been doing since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right now I am creative lead of world building for Wizards Digital Publishing. Uh, Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I went from uh, narrative design over on Magic to narrative design on Digipub, uh, then to narrative lead, and now into this job. Um, so right now I lead the world building team uh, for our like digital games. So we create the settings and the stories for all of our uh, digital titles. Um, so that means working on like tons of unannounced video games. Uh, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's more than just magic as an IP, correct? Way more, yes. Yeah, so yeah. we work across uh, all of Wizards IPs as well as some stuff for Hasbro, um, as well as some stuff that I can't talk about. So like, it's a it's a whole grab bag of things I cannot reveal. Um, but I <laughs> yeah, it's a mood. Cool. <laughs> Is there anything you can reveal that you've worked on? Yeah, um, so currently I'm the uh, creative lead on like the Wizards licensing side uh, for Baldur's Gate 3. Um, so I've got tons of uh, like knowledge and I get to help them out a lot. Um, so anytime that Larian has a question like, hey, do the gifts lay eggs? They get to contact me and I get to go, sure. Uh, <laughs> that's a, a good chunk of my job. But um, what I do other than that is uh, like leading um, writers rooms uh, and developing uh, documents to help kind of like teach our partners, like here's what d, d is about and here's what magic is about like thematically. Here's the things that we think are important. Um, so it's really about like understanding not just like what our brands like are, but what they mean narratively as an IP. Um, so that way our partners are kind of set up for success to really understand like what about our worlds are interesting. As someone who technically is outside Wizards of the Coast who has to work with the internal documents that people put together, those things rock. Yeah, thank good, you. Good internal documents make the job so, so much easier. They sure do. They're hard to make. And so it takes a it takes a cool team. And I have a really awesome team that I get to work with. Uh, and we make some cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm... I've I've done some of the early access Baldur's Gate three stuff. Uh, my laptop is very old and it's very angry at it. I'm probably going <laughs> to pick it up on uh, Stadia when it's out in full, so that like you know I can use Google's fancy computers and graphics processors and just rely on my internet connection. But uh, had a very good time with it. A uh, lot of lot of good beans in that game, and by good beans I mean everyone is secretly a terrible person. Exactly, uh, which is great. That's, I love it. That's what makes um, the best bean. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Let's talk about "No for a Stranger," the the short story that you wrote for uh for this uh release. So, so can you talk about how you know it's it's been four years since Ixalan? That's messed up. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Two of those don't count. So <laughs> this is true. Oh, anyway. Uh, uh, four years. Four years since Ixalan. So, so. Yeah. How did you get involved writing a magic story again? Yeah, so I mean, the way um, after Ixalan released, um, the ownership of Magic Story went to a different team. Um, and afterwards, I moved on to Digipub and started doing video gamey stuff. 
Um, and so uh, back in like November, uh, I was asked by um, Lauren Bond, uh, who's one of the designers on Studio X, um, as well as uh, Jess Lanzillo, who's the creative director of, uh, of Magic. Um, they asked me if I'd be interested in coming back to write a story. And I like immediately cried. I was so, <laughs> I just like burst into tears. I was so, so happy uh, to, to be asked to do this, um, especially especially this story, especially mm -hmm. for this product. Um, so they asked mm -hmm. me and I immediately cried. Uh, one of the other designers um, asked me, like, we thought you didn't want to do them anymore. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Magic Story. Yeah. So I was just so thrilled and like over the moon to be able to do this again. Yeah, I think there's a difference between writing a magic story and writing two sets worth of magic story. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a little bit different in scale, yes. Uh, so were you asked specifically to write about Huatli and Sahili, or did they sort of give you open range and those were the characters you decided on? It was specifically them. Uh, so uh, in the uh, request, they said, hey, would you be interested in writing for like Huatli and Sahili, like for this card, for this set? Um, and the my follow-up question was like, is there anything else I have to do? And they said, no. And I was like, great, it's a two-person love triangle. Like, I knew that immediately. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I, I love, it's my favorite romantic trope. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to give two of, like, the smartest planeswalkers that we have, like, a very silly, goofy, meet cute because that makes me happy. I loved the back and forth that they had in their conversation. It, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, Tell us about the seating. Like, how far back did this go? Was this always the plan with them on Ixalan? Mm. Or, like, was this something developed later? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so many Planeswalker Spark stories are based in, like, bummer moments of trauma, right? So mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure, when I was writing at the time, I wanted to make sure that Watley had, like, a nice first Planeswalk. Especially since she hadn't, like, because of the sun, she hadn't been able to leave the plane, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and so the idea was that she would be drawn to someone that she would like inherently click with. Uh, so not mm -hmm. romantically necessarily, but their connection's like a really brainy one. It would be something, someone that she'd be drawn to. They'd have good vibes. Yeah, good vibes only. Exactly. Good. Exactly. Um, and yeah, both of them, like as people, click in a really nice way because they're both so curious about the world, right? I'm sorry. This is this is basically the opposite of Nahiri, like blooping over to Innistrad and meeting Soren and having Soren be the first planeswalker. That's bad. <laughs> it is the exact opposite of that situation. Absolutely, it's not being drawn out of like nemesis magnetism. This is out of pure just like friend vibes, like good, good, like ooh, we're gonna get along well, right? Like one mm -hmm. one of these, uh, like one is fascinated by the beauty of the world systems and the other is fascinated by the world's like stories and people it kind of like pairings where each party is fascinated by the other or loves mm -hmm. something that they see in the other so like Watley mm -hmm. is really fascinated by Sahili's resilience and connection which is super green right and Sahili is really fascinated by Watley's search for utopia like wanting to like improve upon her community which is super blue uh so Sahili felt like a really comforting first person to meet and after Ixalan's it's a mad 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 world plot that was going on she felt like a really good introduction to the rest of the multiverse like okay here's here's our transition out of this world that you've been trapped in yeah I think pretty much immediately upon them meeting in the story uh people started shipping them together because it just seemed like they were such a perfect pair oh yeah I remember reading the story and then immediately hearing people call it Dinobots hell yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, no. I, I, I love designing. Uh, I like thinking of stories as sandboxes uh, in that, like, I can create, like, a little uh, space where there's sand and there's, like, nice little barriers and put lots of toys inside. And, like, the fun of fandom is giving your fans the toys to play with. So, like, hey, here's two people who might get along really well. Have fun. Have a good time. Go for it. <laughs> Go play. Well, and also, it just helps, like, if if you're going to exist, like, if two characters are going to exist uh, as a ship, it, it just helps to have, like, a really freaking great ship name. Yes. That's <laughs> very obvious to a large number of people so that just everybody can galvanize on that immediately. Uh, Dinobots is just, it's just correct. That's just the correct ship name. For you them. can't beat it. It's hot fire. Dinobots is just <laughs> the best possible ship name for anything. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, and this is why I'm, like, so impressed that, like, hey, Ral and Tomic got married now and like because they have no good ship names tragically no yeah the best one is probably jess gaze but i I don't know how i feel about that one (laughs) (laughs) like it would be better if they were both from tarkir then that would make sense more but like yeah so um tomic is my fault uh in that i (laughs) I, I developed the character, um, and he had a different name um, originally, and was later changed uh, to Tomic. So um, I don't know. Maybe if I'd, I'd given a better a better ship inducing name, it, maybe it would have worked. Who knows? I don't know. We don't need to dead name Tomic on this podcast. <laughs> I will say, someone in our Discord did come up with the ship name of Spark Notes, and I did love that. Oh, that's good. I do yeah. like that. Yeah. That's very good. How did it feel writing from Huatli's point of view again? She's a uh, warrior poet. You got the perfect medium telling letters between the two of them. How would that feel? <laughs> oh, um, so choosing the uh, the trope of the two-person love triangle, which is usually reliant on like written communication of some form. Um, if anyone out there is not familiar with the trope, it's you've got mail. Um, so the whole premise is uh, two people are communicating via written communication and don't know that they already know each other in real life. That's the trope, right? Um, so I knew that it would be a good match um, for uh, a Watley POV um, because, like, she's she's a poet. She loves words. Um, as a person, Watley's kind of tricky to click into. Like, I've always kind of seen her as an investigative journalist. Uh, like, she mm-hmm. really cares about understanding why things, why people act the way that they do, trying to figure out, like, what's really going on in the world. Um, but, like, a really, really flourishy investigative journalist. So kind of like if Ronan Farrow got super into maximalist poetry, like, that's Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it felt it felt really fun to pick her back up, um, and especially in such a silly situation. Like I, I, she's a character that lends herself very nicely to serious, so it's really fun to see her in wacky plots um, like Ixalan's farce, or like in this uh, very fun romantic comedy trope. Those are pretty much the two stories we have of Watley right now. Um, mm-hmm. She showed up in the War of the Spark book, just only as sort of a tangential character. But this right. is really her her second story since it like. Her first story since Ixalan, her second appearance ever. It's true, yeah. I, I she lends herself very nicely to super serious stories. I hope that she gets to. I hope she gets. We get to see that side of her um, someday because, like, yeah, there's a really good investigation like plot line she could totally lend herself to. Hey, look, just tossing tossing an easy underthrow pitch to all the fan fiction writers out there. They're going on a date on New Capenna. That's a seedy plane with lots of murder. You got someone who could be a serious investigative person. There's some stuff uh, going down, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they can get caught up in some some uh some back alley noir nonsense. Oh, um, but also I, I noir nonsense, yes. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just like sitting here thinking about You Got Mail and, and how they that movie sure did put Parker Posey and Greg Kinnear in these supporting roles and they're just absolutely wonderful. But that's <laughs> got nothing to do with anything. I just have ADHD. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess I guess big question. Uh, what is it like being able to like write overtly queer magic fiction? Amazing. Um, it's amazing. Yeah good feeling it's the best feeling it's it's the it's, best feeling honestly yeah like since since my first yeheni story i've been like part uh-huh. of that fight to write more queer stories into canon um so like internally um back like back in the day which is now like a very long time ago internally we knew which planeswalkers uh were queer which ones were straight um but mm-hmm. at the time we hadn't found a way to like act on that knowledge to like get it mm-hmm. uh, into canon and so Later, when I was assigned to write the world guide entries uh, for the Azorius and the Orzhov in Ravnica, I remember there mm-hmm. was one meeting where I came in with um, my list of legendary characters for my guild. Um, and the meeting was me, Doug, and Ari. Um, and one of my legendaries that I brought in was Tomic. Um, and before reading what I brought, I remember like looking at my teammates and saying, I made Rel the perfect boyfriend. Does anyone have a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so we, they said, like, absolutely not. So we we made a plan, and Doug took the reins, um, and he and Ari and uh, so many people on my team fought so hard to make that happen, and it finally did. Um, so with good that, boys. they are good boys. And so with that fight and with that history, it was just so special to be asked, "Hey, can you write something super gay for us?" Instead of it being the other way around. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm just so thankful and so proud of the Magic Creative team. Um, especially, like, shout out to Lauren Bond and Stephen, uh, Stephanie Chung and Trevor Gyve, uh, Let Jess Linezillow. They're all amazing people who helped make this set happen. It just, mm-hmm. it feels so good to finally be able to, yeah, to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, big relatable to a lot of my feelings uh, working on uh, getting Nico out into the world uh, when that whole process was happening. It was just a... Uh, Hey, wait, this is like a real thing. Like I had to like double check uh, yeah. with my boss for that project to be like, just to confirm this is a real thing that's happening. This is, you're not yanking <laughs> my leg here. We're, we're doing this. And then I had a big anxiety attack and then I had another big anxiety attack and then I wrote the script. Hell but- yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, you did. <laughs> Personally, I'm just shocked that you said that there are straight planeswalkers because I've yet to see it and believe it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the only, yeah, no, they're out there. They're out there. Well, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but Luca literally. Luca's is. The oh, only- God, Luca. <laughs> oh, God. I was, yeah, I was going to say Luca. I didn't, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about him. Yeah, no, the, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hate that man. Are there, are there any other uh, ships you'd like to, it, the notes here says, what other ships would you love to set sail? And I think that is the perfect <laughs> phrasing for That's it. That's because I wrote that question. This is I'm true. Very Thank fun. You. And you I had a writer. feeling. I had a hunch. Um, so, uh, so I saw these questions beforehand and I saw this one on here and I spent way too much time answering it. So this is going to be like a conversation. I hope y'all are ready for that. Um, I'm super ready. <laughs> okay. Uh, to preface, none of these are remotely canon or indicative, indicative of uh-huh. how any of these characters identify. Hey, uh-huh. I'm not on the magic team anymore. I have no idea what goes on there anymore. I get to kind mm-hmm. of be on the outside. This is purely just me having fun and being silly. Because we're just being silly and having fun, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, first up, Bosria Narset. Uh, so Bosria is a character that uh, that it hasn't really been explored too much in stories. Uh, Narset has. We all know. We all know about her. I feel like both of them share a deep sense of like faith in different forms. 
Like, Basri's whole deal is that he's still loyal to Oketra, and Narset's drawn to understand, like, the mythos and history of her own world. I feel like they could really, like, connect over that idea of faith and surrender, and yeah, they're both very soft. I can see that. I, I almost, I almost, like, I super get where you're getting it. I might want to redefine faith as reverence. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, But it's also very funny. So I was on um Shoot and Butts podcast, Casual Magic, uh, last week, and talked hmm. a lot about Basri. I adore that boy a sweet the sweetest boy i want more from so bad uh all right so so basri yeah yeah okay i got more um all right so (laughs) if it doesn't work out with sahili uh watley and rowan would be very cute uh they've both got tons of drive i could see like a rivals to lovers thing happening there so Uh they're out there uh Uh last answer is super cursed good um calyx and luca Oh. Pull me out. Like, can you can you imagine? It would be like if the villains from an 80s ski movie started dating each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just like really mean, oh really no. intense. And and like Calix is probably still learning how to be a person. So every yeah. now and then Luca has yeah. to like gently remind him to like not kill people or to say please and thank you. So like you could see kind of a warm side from each other. Oh, it that is cursed, the most cursed. You. No, that is cursed. <laughs> it's really cursed. <laughs> now, Calyx can knit outfits for Luca's animals. Like, Luca oh. could find a dog for Calyx to, like, chill him the heck out. You know? Like, there's... It works. It works if you look at just the right angle. The two worst people you know just <laughs> start dating, and that's what you get. Yeah, yeah oh. you're welcome. I wouldn't... I wouldn't put Calyx on the list of worst people I know. I have... <laughs> I am also <laughs> fond of that boy. Uh, I think he can be better. All right. Well, now I want to hear. I want to hear cursed ships from everyone. If that's uh, cursed, that's, yeah, let's get cursed, cursed ships. What are some cursed ships? Oh, does this mean? So, a lot of people might publicly know that I'm a huge proponent of Kiara and Jorian. Uh-huh. Um. Uh. And uh, I, God, you're gonna make me talk about cursed ships. You mean yes. I'm gonna have to talk about Kiara and Obnixilis? Ah, oh. ew, ew. Oh, Why? Oh, that's great. Okay, but... Sell me, sell me. Look at how angry those two people are. And you know, it's just... The screaming match between them Ooh. in a bar is going to end up with them making out in the bathroom. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They No, they fight and then they make out. And that's just like the endless And it's going to be petty. And they're both so stubborn and <laughs> indignant. And like... like it's And it's super over if one of them ever dares the other to not kiss the like start a kiss because then Ugh. you know screw you i'll kiss you if i want and then it ha- and then it's, it's just it's a disaster it's not a good ship it's awful but like they're the exact two people to do that oh i'm obsessed this is so gross thank you <laughs> you're God. welcome that is the most toxic ship you can make that doesn't include luca <laughs> I'm- that sounds like a challenge Any to others? me sorry Any others? yeah no that does sound like a challenge <laughs> I don't know if mine is cursed, but it is a ship that I I would love to see happen. Uh, a Johnny and Pia Nalar. I wanted Johnny to be Chandra's oh. stepdad. That's, that is cursed. Whoa. That is. It is whoa. not cursed. That is. That I, is a very, okay. very, very it's strange a little situation. Cursed. It is a little cursed, but I just think it would be love. I first of all, I think they would be great together. Uh, like genuinely, I think they would have a wonderful relationship. Um, they both have experienced loss in their life. Yeah. They're both older. I think that they would get really get along really well. Um, also, I think that Chandra could use like a Johnny as a father figure in the story. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's very much you know wise and could help uh, 
could I don't know just be sort of a guiding hand to her. Um, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick. This she up. would hate him, but also it would be yeah. Great. Well, she would hate him until they have to go on like some kind of road trip together, right? And that's when she learns to like see the other side of like who he really is, and like oh maybe you're good for my mom after all. Uh, I'm just running through like my mental checklist of romantic comedies or like family comedies, and yeah, this <laughs> this has like weird goofy movie vibes on it. I like it. <laughs> my cursed relationship or my cursed ship is Davriel and um, Tybalt. Because Ew. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm I'm envisioning uh, uh, what's the female accountant demon's name? Just judging Davriel the entire time. Miss Highwater. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Miss Highwater just judging him and telling him you can do better the entire time, but Davriel's <laughs> like, I want what I want, and I could just see it. It lasts like two weeks, and instantly ends. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. My one that I did have for. An embarrassingly long amount of time was Gideon Jura, of course. And this was recently usurped, recently being three years ago at this point. But Sifa Grunt from the Doc Fading comics, because I was like, he just needs Whoa. a very, very evil woman with him. And then Liliana <laughs> did come along eventually, but. Oh, he, got, he got what he needed. But you just needed to match him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's only cursed in retrospect, really. Yeah. So uh, I hate that so much. <laughs> you <can't... laughs> You're the other Sifa Grunt lover. We we unite I'm... over the Dak comics. I wouldn't call myself a Sifa Grunt lover. Appreciator, appreciator. I, I, I'm, I'm an appreciator of esoterica. And that's where Sifa gets me, by being a character who only exists in a couple issues of a comic book that didn't last for very long a whole bunch of years ago. Uh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of the, the comics of Dak Faden, you slipped a little uh, reference to Dak Faden into the story. Sure uh, did. With a, with, <laughs> uh, I think you referred to it as his last will and testament, being a Craigslist ad posted yeah, on this totally. notice board. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's literally what it is. Did, did anyone ever reply to that ad? Uh, yeah, I mean, Tyvar, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but does Tyvar show up expecting what the ad is implying? Or does Tyvar think, oh, I'd love to have hmm. a good time? No, no, I think he'd, he'd know what's up. Uh, uh, Nico, they might show up, maybe. Um, Teo, but only because he thinks it's to play board games or something. <laughs> I I love Teo, and I'm very glad that he got invited to Ral and Tomic's wedding. Um, yeah. love that character. We don't have an, he's also, okay, I did have a actual cursed ship, but I'm a little scared to say it, uh, because it does involve Teo, but it's one-sided, uh, and it's him having a massive crush on Davriel Kane. <gasps> I love it. he cannot it. explain. Oh, I love it. Oh, poor Teo. Yeah, that. I, I'm, I'm gonna save. great. I'm gonna save all this shipping talk, because I'm gonna put forth a good ship, and that is the good ship jock triad of Tyvar, Nico, and Will Kenrith. Yes, good. Yes, good. That's a powerful triad. <laughs> That's cl- cleansing the shipping thread. All right. <laughs> oh, that is very wholesome. I'm it's just very imagining. True. Yeah, they would be so good together. They all just do sports together. And just, <laughs> yeah. And they all complement each other. And then, sports pals. Yeah, that's and they're, great. Like, th- they, they all like sports and they're all like positive and affirming. Like, Tyvar would literally be the best gym bro. 
Oh, yeah. Dude not only wipes down all his equipment, but will gladly wipe down everyone else's equipment, too. What a pal. I I don't want to spend too much longer on this, but he really would be the perfect boyfriend for Will, wouldn't he? He has, like, all of the bravado of Rowan with, like, none of the, like, recklessness. Well, I guess he's a little reckless. Oh, he's incredibly reckless. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, in, like, a a fun way, not in a potentially dangerous Dangerous way. way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Not in a you-lose-your-leg kind of way. Yeah, Um, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, do you have any future plans for more magic story writing, or are you just waiting in the wings for them to ask you to more, write more uh, sapphic love stories? Yeah, I'm just waiting in the wings uh, for whatever, whatever they need me to write. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I, I just had a great time. But you say whatever, that means you're going to end up with the Luca Calix story. <laughs> like, Listen. You, you, do, Listen. you cursed yourself right there. Listen, I would do a great job with that. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> I'll throw down. Yes. Now I just want this to happen next year. Yeah, no, give me the give me the call. No one will call me for that because no one actually <laughs> wants that to happen. <laughs> We've already established that Luca is the only straight planeswalker. So It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So this 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 uh this is very much a uh, uh yeah, the imaginary town for sure. I don't I don't actually know if he's intended to be straight. I, that's that's not information I have just sitting in my noggin. I mean, same. Yeah, I'd have to look that up. Who knows? Regardless of if he is or not, he is. So it, <laughs> yeah, have you been have you been keeping up with the magic web fiction that's been coming out the last uh, God, how many years now have we had like the web fiction returned Two? two? is it two years? I think. Yeah, I believe it came back with Zendikar Rising. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah. We've had it for have you been keeping up with that at all? Do you do you read the the set stories? Yeah, I try to. Uh the uh the Kamigawa set story was such a blast. Um uh-huh. yeah, childhood best friends usually isn't my thing, uh, but like Kaido and the Emperor convinced me otherwise. I guess this follows up to the, the second part of this quarter. What's your favorite recent set story? Ooh, uh oh gosh. Um God. Sorry, I, I I might pass on this one. There's been a lot of really good ones, so it is really hard to pick a favorite. There has been. Um, yeah, no, you'll you'll have to forgive me on this one. Yeah, I I um yeah, no. I am having a hard time thinking of a specific one off the top of my head. Personally, I was a big fan of the family man that came out recently with uh Streets of New Capenna, written by K. Arsenal mm. Rivera, um, who has now written two magic weddings, both of them about vampires, which means <laughs> I really need her to come back and write the story for Tomek and Rao's wedding uh, and just make sure there are some demure vampires in there to round it all out. <laughs> well, I mean, they there's vampires in the Orzhov too. Yeah, Orzhov vampires could be there. That's I mean, true. As heads of guild, you would expect that they would probably send an obligatory invitation to Lazav, whether he gets it or, or even shows is another story altogether, but I'm sure it was sent. Whether Not he really. shows up, no one will really know. He could be there. Exactly. I'm sorry. My brain just conjured the image of 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 one of them going to put a ring on the other's finger, and the ring detransforms into Lazav. <laughs> and then he pulls out the real ring and runs away, laughing. Typical, typical. Got him. That's how he. Uh, yeah, that's how he gets you. God, or even worse, throwing the bouquet and 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 it turns and like whoever catches it, all of a sudden they've got a Lazav in their arms, and he just kisses their cheek and then runs away like a scamp. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they are Lazav, holding another Lazav. Oh! Or even worse, they 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 do the I do's and they go in for the kiss, and then Tomic dissolves into Lazav, and Tomic shows up like a couple minutes later, like what's going on? Oh no! <laughs> 
what that's a, too dramatic. What a wacky, <laughs> what a wacky ceremony. Oh, I do, I do love. So to to kind of go back to talking about the pride secret layer, there is so much love has gone into this, and it's very clear. Uh, it, it's just an incredible collection of cards, art, stories. I read through the zine today. I'm mm-hmm. I'm Same. absolutely in love with this. This is a wonderful, wonderful product. Uh, I know that you were sort of asked to write the story for it. Do you have any other insights to like the creation of it? Anything you want to talk about that you personally thought like was wonderful about this this product? Because I I ordered two today, and I don't buy secret layers very often. So I was just absolutely mostly because of Bearscape, just absolutely <laughs> oh, blew know, my right? mind. This product, yeah. Yeah, I can't speak too much um, to the actual creation of the cards or anything like that since I wasn't part of that process. Um, But I can speak to just how much care and attention went into selecting the cards, how much uh, care and the art descriptions went in. Um, And they really did do a great job of researching and finding uh, really amazing artists to tie to each of these individual cards. Um, The the art director's work was really fantastic to kind of bring everything together, right? I know for me, like seeing the art of um, Alesha uh, just like really warmed my heart. Like I think that was my favorite of the ones uh, outside of the Sahili and Wadley one, obviously. Um, Bearscape also is just like ridiculous and amazing and perfect. Uh, I, I love that they were able to take those risks um, and and really see the payoff. They gave they they gave Bearscape Odyssey caliber pun flavor text mm-hmm. to to keep to keep that going. And I'm well said. So happy as as a person who has looked at an Odyssey reference card and gone, we need to have Odyssey caliber puns here uh, before. Uh, yeah. Oh wow! Wait, that was even the set that you were my boss on. Ha ha. <laughs> that was uh, the one Anurid in uh, in uh, MH1. Yeah. Oh yeah. Aw, memories. Yeah. Memories. Yeah. Uh, that was like I did four that. years ago. Well, I forgot I worked on Modern Horizons. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh uh, yeah, I, that was I, me. Yeah, it, it was. That was a, a frantic, frantic uh, set. That, it was uh, a wild moment. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, is that all our secret light questions? That's all our secret light questions. Which means we can move on to the section, the only if we have time section, because we that. have time. We sure do. Uh, which means, of course, it's time to talk about Robert Pattinson. Ah, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> that's not actually what's on our agenda. Damn but it. I, I, knew that Joe, I knew the joke would land. Uh, no, it's about Magic Legends, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, so what was it like working on Magic Legends for... For all the three people out there who remember Magic Legends, <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. Um, so uh, Magic Legends uh, was one of our uh, licensing titles. Um, so mm-hmm. as narrative lead on digital publishing, I got to review the major content uh, and brainstorm mm-hmm. some be- some beats with them. Uh, provide handy lore knowledge when necessary. Uh, it was super fun. It was just really fun to see um, like an outside eye play with that world and with those mm-hmm. characters uh, in a refreshing way that like, uh, yeah, we wouldn't get to really do internally. So it was really cool. Yeah, we we were big fans of Magic Legends on the podcast in terms of the story. I thought it yeah. was I thought it was incredible world. I, I really thought it was very cool story and plot. Um, I think like Half the people who were there at the end of the the servers are in this podcast. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, yeah, the, the story and the attention to detail that the narrative team took, um, like their ability to play within the world without breaking anything and also like find all the little corners that like magic story hadn't been able to touch in a long time uh, was so cool and so, so, so much fun. Speaking of a man whose corners have long gone untouched, uh, yes. can you talk about the decision behind uh, the big bad being old school villain Lashrac, the yes. Nightwalker? The Nightwalker, they came to us with Lashrac. Uh, and like in the presentation where, uh, they were running through like, yeah, so we want our villain to be this guy who's deep from magic lore. And like, I was instantly like, is it Lashrak? And it was, uh, I remember watching the pitch and just like laughing at how much I knew old school magic fans would just love that reveal. Uh, the, the team did such a good job shepherding that character and that twist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mm -hmm. was so happy to watch it play out. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think any, any time, uh, a new magic thing gets to have some very strong connection to old magic lore while being accessible to new players gets to be very cool moments. Um, yeah. Stand stand by magic players of the world because we're going to do Brothers War at the end of this year. And that's the set I worked on. And, and Lordy, if you are new to magic, you're going to love it. And if you read that novel when it came out a thousand years ago, congrats, you're also going to love it. There is so much in that set uh yeah yeah Phil philosophically um one of the ways that i try to guide our partners when thinking about our rip especially because mm -hmm. like both magic and DD have been around for like decades and decades and decades and there's uh -huh. a lot there's a lot of stuff like way 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 back there like the rule that i always encourage our partners to play by is that if we never punish a new player for not knowing something so the second that you include the kind of Easter egg or the kind of throwback that makes someone who's coming with fresh eyes go like, oh, wait, I don't get it, then you're not doing your job right. You know, like we need to make sure that when we're doing those throwbacks and when we're introducing those characters, we're doing it in a way that makes you feel rewarded for knowing something, but you don't need to know it to have a great time uh, because the value of that character should already be there. Um, so yeah, the way that Magic Legends was able to like utilize and use Lashrek was really, really, really fun if you knew who this dude was. And also like pretty dang satisfying if you didn't. Uh, and that's the sweet spot, you know? Mm -hmm. There was a point in the past two or three weeks ago where I hopped in our chat and I said, Jay, I do need to ask you something. And he kindly confirmed this for me. But because I was going through Encyclopedia Dominia, which is site from way way back in wizard's history and i got to um an entry on the breath stealers and i was like okay well vashroga is a breath stealer and then i saw they worship the spirit of the night and i was like oh so vash the main character of magic legends um ends up wanting to bring about the walker of the night inadvertently because mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it was just it was just the perfect moment I only got to experience that postmortem literally watching campaign videos on YouTube, campaigns that I had played through but not picked up on that the first time. And it was just such a unbelievably deep dig and massive respect to you and the team at Cryptic for just pulling that off because I don't know how many other people appreciated it, but I certainly did. Aw, thank I you. I appreciate those things. Uh, Cryptic did all the hard work on that one. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out especially to, um, I believe I believe Winter was the narrative designer on that. At least she worked on it for uh, a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the whole thing was just handled so, so deftly. And 
There were homerids in the game. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're easy to please. <laughs> in a nice way. Oh, no. Okay. You know but like le- legit though, it's like literally every single product I work on is just like, oh my God, this is the best product ever. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, and it's like every, every time, you know, you know, every announcement day when this, you know, stuff that I worked on that I haven't been able to talk about uh, gets announced and I get to go, hey, this exists. And I'm like super duper excited. Every, everything that gets, I'm like, Look, everyone, I know I say this about every set, but you have no idea how freaking excited I am for this set. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very simple that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a creature of excitement um, and, uh, yeah. and earnestness. Um, so I, I very much empathize. It's yeah, it's I mean, hard for me to get um, like pessimistic about something I worked on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at least, yeah. I don't know, like if you spend time on this earth doing anything, that's that's a little bit of a gift. So I may as well have a good time, you know? Exactly. Just honestly, though, just folks, wait until announcement day later this year and I'm going to scream. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. That's all the actual questions. Oh, wait, who added one? I added one because I, I had oh. a thought uh, midway through our conversation. I just wanted to know about the story. Like, do you have a time frame of when it took place? Reason I'm asking is because hmm. did they go to like the uh, did they planeswalk to New Capena like after? The angels have started to emerge, or is this happening before, or maybe even during the the coup of sorts? <laughs> uh, this will be a deeply unsatisfying answer, uh, but because I wrote this back in like n- like December, January, I did not know what the new Capenna story would look like, um, or like what the actual like beats of that were going to be. So this was very much like inside of a little bubble. Um, so my answer is going to be whatever makes this date uh, the most awkward <laughs> is what's going down. So perhaps they show up to go dancing, and it's like the middle of the coup, and Sahili's just like apologizing the whole time, like I'm sorry. It's usually really nice. Oh, yes. I can definitely see that. I, the fighting usually isn't this stabby. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I was, I was about to say, New Capenna is a very amusing plane for someone to say, oh, it's usually nicer than this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite, uh, like, little, I don't know. It was maybe a joke for myself in that in that story is just how Good. much of a city girl Sahili is. To kind uh-huh. of, like, be apologizing on behalf of, like, it's fine. It's not that dangerous. Like, it's not that bad. Uh <laughs> She she strikes me as someone who's like been a lifelong New Yorker and is just like, uh-huh. like yeah, no, it's yep. not that stabby. You'll be fine. Yep. Yep. Th- that was exactly why I asked, because like I can just imagine <laughs> them showing up during the coup and right. he's just like, I don't know what's happening. I desperately want to read that fan fiction now mm-hmm. of them showing up and Sahili's like, Oh, I've got this great idea. We'll go dancing at the crescendo. It's this big thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> and they're there for it and just they're ex- like I think that would be a wonderful story. Witnessing it, so it not getting involved at all. That's that's my that's my favorite like flavor of planeswalker interaction. It's like being there for something really exciting and deciding like, I don't want to get involved in this. This seems like a lot. Oh, it'd be perfect too because I don't think either of them would know at all who Elspeth is. So they, they would see her and just be like, "Who's this girl? Let's just leave." <laughs> exactly. Okay, but. Robert Pattinson's best role. Go. Mm, um. Uh. I, I think it might be the lighthouse. Honestly. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Good. He's just Good. Robert Pattinson is just such a divine weirdo, and he deserves to be weird in as many things as possible. 
Uh, I loved the Batman. I adored it. Um, uh, it could do with like 10% more weird because our paths could go there. Let's do it. Like I obviously we we screamed about it to each other once once we had both seen it. He's he's so good as autistic detective Batman. Yes, he is. Exactly. And, and Alfred is like, look, I support you in all your little special interest things, but you need to go out and be a human. And he's like, no, no. <laughs> I just exactly. the, the, the moment, the moment, like. I, I loved everything about the movie, but it wasn't until the a moment at the end when uh, I guess I guess we're doing spoiler alert for the Batman now. It's that kind of podcast, yeah. His 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 last scene with um with uh, Zoe Kravitz, uh, and and uh, she their their faces are very close for this whole chunk of the conversation, yep. and it's like it's like the moment that he has as Batman has finally figured out that he's supposed to lean in for a kiss and you see him like halfway do like, it. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Kind like, of. And, like, and then I'm she not sure leaves. what the approach is. Yep. And, but he like doesn't follow through and then she leaves and he's just kind of like is there and takes him a moment to react like she just walked away. And it's just like, mm, that was perfect. It was perfect moment. <laughs> That, that was my favorite moment too. Um, this uh, this moment of like understanding like what's going on, uh, navigating it, uh, and being able to like understand the parameters. Uh, but yeah, uh-huh. no, you're, you're fucking perfect. I loved it. Oh, it was it was wonderful. But Ugh. also, yes, the lighthouse is. I don't I don't even know how to describe that movie. It is oh, so yeah. good. But my only advice to people is do not watch it for the very first time uh, with a family member. <laughs> Are you sure uh, about that? Not it knowing depends. anything about the movie, sitting down with your father and just being like, oh, let's watch The Lighthouse. I heard that's good. Mm. And then about halfway through the movie, you're like, I don't, this is, this is a lot weirder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit more explicit. It is one. I, yeah, I just, it, it's so, it was so good. It is very like good. Every, every moment of that movie was like engineered to be like just unsettling enough, but have you super invested in this weird hacking dynamic between these two dudes in a lighthouse? And oh, oh, just watching people get so on each other's nerves that their worlds start to unravel is that's just good people watching baby that is that is a i think the lighthouse could easily be turned into a story of like uh davriel and tybalt and (laughs) that could be the the setting for their their uh their ship story davriel and tybalt trapped on a lighthouse together it's the immortal sun spinning up above them Oh gosh, yeah. No, it's ag- aggressively like aggressively weird and awkward social dynamics are my uh-huh. my favorite thing on earth. Uh, uh-huh. We we have a portrait of um, Robert Pattinson from that movie in our living room. Uh, Excellent. Thank- yeah, thankfully strangers can't tell who it is, so I just kind of get to go. <laughs> guess what I have <laughs> in this room right now? Like a creepy little weirdo. Uh, but yeah, no, that movie's a that is a movie about creepy little weirdos for creepy little weirdos, and I feel really yep. seen. I feel really seen by it mood i it's just so good it's so good that is the note we're going to leave on (laughs) um because uh we are running out of time here um but uh i guess i guess allison i'm gonna give you a shot to salvage the vibes of this podcast (laughs) okay okay any any closing statements anything uh you you have worked on that you want to point people to any any last things you want to say about writing or queerness or shipping or fandom or whatever man um 
Mm. You know, it's, I think for me as a writer, it's kind of impossible to separate my relationship with communities and with fandom specifically. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up writing in, Mm -hmm. in fan fiction and in fan communities and I became a community manager and understanding what fandoms love and like what gives them the tools to create like a self-feeding fandom like that's the thing that makes good stories uh and being able to create the kinds of stories that's where the characters stick with somebody because you can't stop thinking about them and ah i need to listen to a fan mix of this i need to watch a fan cam of this character i need to like create something because i love this person Like, that's the thing that makes me love writing, and that makes me love fandom, and that made me love this fandom in particular. Um, So being able to talk with you folks and um, just, like, gush about how much we love things, like, that's that's what I love. Mm -hmm. I love I love love. I love loving things. I love loving characters. Um, And so, yeah, thanks for bringing me on to talk with you all today. And if anyone wants to yell about what they love, um, shoot me a give me a call. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks again for for coming on the show. We've been uh, honestly trying to figure out a reason to have you on the show for years now. And uh, (laughs) fate has smiled upon us. Thank you, homosexuals, for this moment. And yeah, thank for this you. Episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My water. Thank you. Big, <laughs> big shout out to the gays today. Well, shout, shout out to the gays on this one. Um, yeah, no, I got a, I got a deep catalog. So if y'all ever want to talk about some old stuff, just give me a call. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like honestly, there were a lot of moments where I'm like, we could, we could just have Allison on for no reason. We don't need a reason oh, yeah. to have people on the show. We could. This is this podcast is unhinged. We can just like. Oh, I know you all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, I think uh, that's gonna do it. Uh, and in uh, maybe not the most uh, uh, PG segue we've ever ever done. But uh, if you listeners out there also want to shoot the shit with uh, other cool Vorthoses and Magic fans, um, we have a Discord server for the Vorthos cast that you can access by heading over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Everyone who supports us gets access to that Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are enjoying these new insights into uh, queer magic characters who are uh, thrilled about all the art, by the way, that is just freaking incredible in this new Secret Layer product. Uh, we've got probably going to have a lot of shipping discussion in the near future because of this. And you, we also have a uh, higher live listen tier. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, this is kind of one an awkward episode to to promote the live listen because we usually record Thursday nights at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are recording this on a different night, but. Um, there's a, a live listen tier where you can uh, hang out while we will record the podcast, uh, hang out a little bit before, a little bit after, listen to us chat, hear everything live, get access to this episode essentially a couple days early, uh, and, and have a good time as things are going down and experience all the zaniness firsthand. Um, and we have uh, just, uh, again, super appreciative of everyone who supports us on Patreon, uh, everyone who has, uh, you know, posts and, and chats in our Discord, and everyone who just listens to our podcast on their way to work and, and supports the show and, uh, you know, tells a friend about us. All y'all are what make this thing happen and what make this thing worth doing. So thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.